The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas with Joe DeFalco. Joe, coming into a little bit of a, I guess, a big week because we have a high octane coming up on Saturday the 12th. And um, what's, uh, what's your feelings going into this Saturday and uh, getting everything together for the show? Well, in reality, it's the final show to set everything up for survival of the fittest. We know where we're going, and this is going to be the opportunity to get there. And hopefully things make sense. Uh, have the venue confirmed. We will be back at the Silver Nugget. And I was thinking, it's like, wow, it's been a while because we, were, we helped out at GCW in May, but we didn't do our show there. So... Right. Uh, it has been a while. I believe No Escape in January was the first show of the year uh, in January 2023. So it's going to be eight or nine months. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem. Um, well, is that true? No, didn't you? But you did a Mecca, though, right? Uh. I think there was a Mecca there, wasn't there? Maybe Somewhere there was in March. That's right. It was yeah. uh, WrestleMania weekend. My bad. I forgot. Yeah. It was that week coming up, and it was uh, not. We were not very happy with the uh, the turnout. We had SmackDown on the Friday. We did right. the Undertaker. Then we had the show, and then five days later it was WrestleMania, and it right. seemed like uh, people were saving their money because we were very excited about that Mecca. And it didn't draw nearly what we thought it would. Right. Um, and, you know, going back there, uh, how is the working relationship with them in terms of, uh, you know, do they recognize that you guys, you know, bring in a, you know, a good number of people that um, at least boost their alcohol sales? Um, if anything, I mean, because they're not a typical uh, casino like Silverton, where a lot of people are going to potentially uh, eat at a restaurant or, you know, stay there and play the machines for a while. Um, what is that relationship like with uh, the Silver Nugget? Well, surprisingly enough, uh, the relationship that we have with the Silver Nugget is better than the relationship we have with anybody. And what you said is what the issues are. It's talking with the Silverton after the fact and everything is like a little bit of like a fight 
to where, well, the lights, oh, it was in the contract, but you had to pay separate for that. And it was like, well, if you don't tell me I'm supposed to pay separate for it and it says it's in the contract, I expect it to be there. Then okay. you're like, well, yeah, well, if you wanted the sound guy, that was another 600 bucks or the lighting guy. And it's like, well, the contract says a lighting guy, a sound guy or whatever. And it's like, when did I become a mind reader? Why would you write it in the contract that that's what I got? But then you didn't emphasize that it cost extra. So we had a lot of problems with the lighting at the Silver team. At the Silver Nugget, they aren't the greatest lights, but this is all we need. The lights to hit the ring. And that's not what happened at the Silverton. And it's like, you want me to pay 600 bucks to have somebody stand there and, and move the lights? And it was like, well, you had a concert the night before. So even if we wanted to, because we were talking about future shows, you know, like on the Friday or Saturday, they'll put the lights the way we want them. Well, when we met with you on the Friday for our Sunday show, you were bragging about all these lights, but then you're saying we didn't have access to it. So the Silver Nugget, they they know we bring them business. Uh, there was a guy, Jason, he, he was running things when we first went back. And Jason was, you know, super to deal with. And then, you know, he still works there, but but Jay took over and Jay's great. The thing is, it was like, hey, you paid this amount and now we kind of need to raise it. And, you know, we thought we got the price the year before for the May weekend uh, at a pretty good number. And we understand it was Friday, Saturday, Memorial Day weekend. But then after that, it was kind of like, hey, we got to raise the price 500 bucks for you. And it was like, well, you know, you kind of told me Sunday was the dead day. So what you make is what you make, which is a kind of a bonus. And there was little issues in hand. And it's like, okay, so you have a grandfathered in taco stand that they come in and they get to sell the tacos and stuff. And that's great. The tacos are awesome. Three for 10 bucks. You can't beat them. But they were also selling the waters and sodas. Well, then you're looking at my numbers and then telling me, well, you know, the bar did all right. It didn't do great. And it's like, yeah, but anytime somebody's buying a taco, if they're going to have a drink, which they most likely will, they're not going to say, okay, thank you for the taco. Now let me go to the bar to get a drink. They're going to go and buy the drink when they're buying the taco. Plus they have, you know, the, the, the watermelon drink and the whatever pineapple drink. That's really good. And it's five bucks. And if they sell 30 of them, that's 150 bucks that we don't get counted for. Uh, that's, you know, a hundred waters at $3 a piece that they don't get counted for. And then all of a sudden our numbers are, are mediocre. The problem with the silver nugget is there is no hotel. So nobody's staying there. There's no restaurants. Nobody's eating there. So the funny thing is Samstown and all these places consider it the four wall, which is whatever happens inside the building. Well, the silver nuggets, the only one that really is the four wall. Because people before the show, after the show, at Sam's Town, Silver, Silverton, any place we did a casino, they can eat before the show. They can eat after the show. They can gamble. And Silver Nugget's the only genuine one to where there really isn't a lot of money being spent outside of what's happening at our wrestling show. And... When we did the uh, GCW show in May, she gave me a number. And it was like, oh, well, you know, the prices have got to go up. And it was like $1,000 more. 
and we talked and she was going to do it for 500 more and then when i got there she gave us the same price and it's funny because i talked to the jason guy who loves us you know he's not fun they do some of the lucha stuff there and he was like yeah you know i got i like your guys show way better you know i bring my kids they like it a lot and I'm like, yeah, yeah, the only issue I have is they raise the price, you know? He's like, oh, let me talk to him. And it's like, yeah, you, you know, you hear that. Everybody blows smoke. Oh, yeah, I'll talk to some people. And it was funny because they gave us, after that, the same price for the GCW weekend, even though it was only the one day out of the two. And the reason we got that break was because it was two days. Now we got it for one, so I'm thinking he must have talked to somebody. So I'm like, okay, I'm going in and... You charged us this, then you bumped it a little, and then you bumped it a little more. So at least I want to get back to at least the middle one where, hey, a little middle ground. And I said, hey, you know, you gave us a good deal on the GCW, but we're the ones who come here all the time. You know, I, is there any way you can kind of drop us back down a little? Every dollar counts. And she's like, oh, I was going to charge you this anyway. So it's like, oh, okay. So she went back down a little bit, which... You know, if my guy Jason took care of it, I appreciate it because the minute I got there, I saw him by the sports book and I walked over. Oh, you guys ready to come back? I'm like, yeah, you know, I got a meeting with Jade. We, you know, we're supposed to be here next month. Oh, man, love having you guys here and blah, 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 blah. And, and it's good when it like somebody seems like they actually give a shit that you're there. <laughs> right. And that was never what I got out of Silverton. And it was kind of like there was other little issues like. We ended up taking cash at the door. We weren't supposed to. But the problem was if you went to the box office, they were supposed to be able to buy tickets at the at the door, and they didn't. So it's like, okay, they're my regular customers. I could have said, hey, just Venmo it. But they were handing me money, and it's like, okay, you need to go there. And then there was a lady who comes to our show all the time. And I ended up having to let her in for free because – they're eyeballing me, and I'm like, well, you, know, you got to go to the box office because it was already brought up. But then the box office doesn't take cash. A casino where everything is cash, like I can't go play a machine with a credit card. I got to get cash from somewhere. Right. But now you're not letting somebody buy a ticket with cash. And it was just all these little things, plus the, the cost was way more. And it was like, I'm not going to fight with you about having lights. I'm not going to fight with you about the way the sound is. And it's like, you know, if we can make it work financially, yeah, great to have another venue. But these guys are ready, willing, and able. You know, they understand it's a Sunday. They, you know, people are making some money. You know, people buy tacos. Nobody gives nobody gives the owner of FSW a free fucking taco. You know, I, I have to pay $10 for the three tacos. But you're hungry and you're going to eat. It's a pretty good taco. So I'm not going to complain about it, but it, it makes it an easier thing. Because also, GCW, I need to keep the silver nugget. GCW is not going to be doing light tubes at the Silverton or any corporate casino. Right. not going to allow that. While the silver nugget, you know, we've had Funny Bone jump off the balcony. We had Vintage Dragon jump off the trussing. We had the Commandos and the Von Dooms in a false count anywhere throwing cake at an anniversary show all over the place, you know, and they're cool with it. You know, Matt Cardona broke a fucking, uh, cash register 
because he was trying to hit somebody with a garbage can. And at first they were like, I was going to have to get $2,000 off of uh, GCW. They ended up, you know, chilling on that. But you do that somewhere else in a corporate casino, you, you may not be welcome back. So, you know, from day one, when we first started FSW, so there's always a soft spot, you know, in my heart for Silver Nugget, because they're the only casinos who gave us the opportunity. Right. And when we had the issues at Diversion, scummy business practice, and Samstown didn't want to do anything on two and a half week notice, when I went to the Nugget, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, the date's open. We can do it. Oh, okay, cool. You know, yeah. and, you know, we've been there since. And we also helped them out. And, you know, they made money with GCW more than one occasion. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know what? It's a no-brainer. It's like there's no hassle. Oh, yeah. well, there's a day. Oh, the lighting guy was there eight hours and 15 minutes. And then I have to go to my contract to see that the, the day was scheduled for 10 hours. And then you did me a favor by not charging me overtime. And it was like, but this is what's in the contract. But, you know, the conversation was good. Oh, you know, love to have you back. You know, we always like your show. It's like, yeah, but you're trying to gouge for every penny. And, yeah. you know, you don't run that many concerts and, you know, I get my emails from the Silverton. I didn't get an email that said FSW was going to be here, but I got an email. Yet we drew five or 600 people. But I'll get an email that the ultimate tribute band, Queen Nation, is going to be at the Silverton in a couple weeks. I guarantee you that they aren't putting 600 people in there. Right. And if they are, they didn't pay for that ticket. Yep. I see them on house seats. You know, I, I, that's the reason why I buy housings, just so I could see what's going on. And it's like, so you paid these people to be here. I guarantee you that they didn't ring it up. You had barely any alcohol. You had absolutely no food. I'm like, so how did the uh, bar do? Because it was like, oh, well, the bartenders were complaining. Well, yeah, because they all want to make tips. Right. You know, maybe provide good service when you only have four beers to choose from. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so how did the bar do? Oh, yeah, it ended up doing really well. You know, if I listened to my bar staff, well, yeah, that was the problem. You did initially. And you're like, oh, yeah, well, it's not really kind of doing much. Yeah, well, you know, have, have a full bar. You're telling me a casino? When I go to the, uh, the middle of the room, when I get all my drinks for free, these people are paying $7 for a drink. How about you have the alcohol? Yeah. yeah, and it, it, it's always what we didn't do, and it's never what we did do, and that that becomes a very frustrating situation. Sure. You know, kind of like the old Samstown. Oh well, it was your your guarantees three thousand. You did five, but relax. You know that was the gross sales, not the net sales. And it's like no matter what, you can't credit us. We're bringing people into your deadbeat casino. Right. On a Sunday, like, there's people eating, there's people drinking. They go to the – I know a bunch of people who went to the Johnny Rockets for a hamburger and a, sh and a $12 shake 
and a twelve dollar hamburger. Yeah. A burger and a shake at Johnny Rockets is thirty freaking dollars. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I understand that they lease the place, but it's always good when they have a good day and they make money and they want to go lease the place. And it's like the same thing with Samstown when it was like 20 wrestlers spent all the money they made at TGIFs and you don't want to count it. Well, there's normally nobody in your casino at nine o'clock on a Sunday. Now you have 500 people and 50 wrestlers and, you know, Brian Cage isn't ordering a mozzarella stick. He's ordering the fucking steak and whatever that's 30 bucks. Right. And all this money's coming in and there's no gratitude for it. Yeah. Um, you know, the survival of the fittest uh, is September 10th. Uh, like you said, this uh, show coming up here on the uh, 12th is uh pretty much the last you know setup show um what uh can we look forward to uh coming up match wise uh what have you got in store for the card on saturday well as we saw nick Xander was looking to get some revenge on jay vidal and now he's really looking to get some revenge uh he's wrestling uh, our former referee aj avon who the Black Rose has aligned himself, where through the help of AJ, Jay Vidal beat Nick Xander in probably record time, less than five seconds at the last show. And I would imagine that AJ Avon uh, is in for an ass whooping uh, this Saturday night. And the question remains whether Jay Vidal will or won't be there. Right. And yeah. Nick Xander's going to have to look over his shoulder. But right. we're looking at September 10th as, you know, these are two guys on a collision course to survival of the fittest. So what's going to happen? Well, you, you know, we're going to see. Uh, we have the Billionaire Boys Club. It's going to be Devin Reno and. Uh, Jordan Jordan Cruz, they're going to go up against Sky High. So it's going to be interesting to see this new form tag team taking on a existing tag team who's had tons of success. So yeah. it's almost kind of like, okay, well, you know, let's see where these guys are at. And Sky High's kind of watch some other teams like the Suavecitos and get opportunities that they want. So, you know, they would have loved that match with the Bullet Club. Suavecito's got it. So Sky High needs needs a bounce back, you know, in that situation. We have a, uh, a four-way women's match. Zamaya returns. Maserati, first singles match in a while. Uh, her and Rochelle beat Brittany Brooks. And Brittany's in the match as well as Alice Blair. It's going to go a long way in terms of a match with Viva Van. Uh, Got some disappointing news that I guess Maserati and Rochelle double booked themselves. You know, I told them about September 10th and I'm scrolling down Facebook and who's wrestling for the tag titles with the company that we worked with when they were in Vegas, the United Women's Wrestling 
and they got a show at the Globe Theater, and right. they're booked on it. And it's like, hey, what the fuck? I gave you the date. So we were going to do a woman's Survivor Series type four-on-four match, but to try to keep the the momentum of, you know, what we're trying to make Survival of the Fittest about, to have a regular singles match usually doesn't work. So right now on the table, I am looking at a gauntlet match. Mm. So the winning woman will have to win at least two matches if she wants to become the women's champion. Right. So it's going to go a long way into seeing, you know, who's deserving of that four-way match. You know, another girl we were going to use, J-Rod, she's also booked on that September 10th. Right. So, you know, even though she had an opportunity, the Alice Blairs, the Gypsy Max, the Tanayas, the others who've been looking to come in, so it's going to be uh, interesting, you know, to see, you know, how that's going to work out. Uh, right. We're going to do a six-man tag. We got some uh, new blood coming in. Uh, Chris Bay recommended this guy. He's going to come on in. His name's Joe Demaro. Look pretty, pretty solid. Uh, Richard King's making his return, and a guy we like that we saw from Arizona, Damian Desire. They're going to be part of a six-man tag. And right now they're going to be taking on uh, Matt Vandergriff and we got Primo Henio back <laughs> and he'll be part of that six man tag. We were looking for a third guy and it looks like it's going to be Bodie and Bodie and Matt had good success in the uh, GCW match that they had. Right. So that's going to be a six man tag that, you know, should be very fast paced and, and exciting. Um, we have our survival of the fittest. We have the three teams set. I'm looking at a fourth team. Uh, as we talked about, the Bullet Club versus the former 1% West Coast Wrecking Crew versus the Wolves Zaddies of uh, Tito and Jay. And we got a pleasant surprise for the fourth team on the show with survival of the fittest. So, you know, there's a lot of good things that are happening. Uh, clutch. Wants to get his hands on Kenny King. Uh, he specified, and he has requested some uh, mic time. And you know, I'm going to tell you right now, he's not going to be uh, talking about you know the weather. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's got some choice words for Kenny. So that's going to be interesting. Jacob Boston Young. And Gregory Sharp, nothing was settled. Uh, Sharp will not be at this show. Jacob Austin Young will be. And I know he'd like to top everything off at Survival of the Fittest and become our Nevada State champion. So they're going to this. He's going to, he's also got some words to say, but he's also got a match. So, you know, he's taking on Andy Delgado. And. You know, similar styles, Andy, you know, hard hitting, you know, he's come from the uh, the house of Cody. So it's a yeah. good opportunity. Uh, we have Greatness and Tenacious making their tag team return. Uh, they're going to be taking on uh, two of our youngsters, uh, Fox and RBJ. They're going to get another opportunity on the main roster. And, you know, they, they got the crowd behind them. They got their family and friends coming, and, and 
you know, this is a good opportunity to, to see, you know, what they can do. So, you know, we got a lot of stuff planned and we're looking forward, you know, to a pretty big show on Saturday. So, uh, do you think that, uh, when you look at survival of the fittest and having to come up with the different, uh, styles of matches that fit the premise, uh, is it, is it more difficult every year to kind of, you know, make sure that the matches are kind of fresh, uh, not in terms of the matchup itself, but in terms of what you're actually presenting on the show. And does that give you a lot of flexibility to kind of try different things that maybe you haven't done in a while or things that you haven't tried before in terms of match styles that you guys just don't necessarily get a chance to do yeah see the the deal is it is easier because the premise of survival of the fittest is basically survivor series matches and i used to love the thursday thanksgiving tradition and it was the macho maniacs and and the, what the million dollar team or whatever it was and it was kind of all these guys that were mixed and matched together and this is a great opportunity for some new talent to get into some of these matches initially the plan in our head was i was going to do three three survivor series type matches uh one would feature the women uh, one would feature the faction and then wherever the chips lay and in the past, we've done stuff where we had uh, tournament-style things. I remember a one-night tournament. I remember Lance Hoyt was in it and Graves and, and a bunch of different stuff to get opportunities at a title match and Iron Man matches and gauntlet matches. And that's what survival of the fittest is about. And it's going through adversity to me but based off the Survivor Series. So we already know we got three matches kind of set in that situation. Now that we lost one with the women, well, okay, now we got to figure out what's going to be there in that. And it's it's contemplating ideas. Obviously, you're not going to do a no DQ match and a last man standing match because those are basically both the same type of matches. So the card would probably be seven matches uh i'm happy to announce hammerstone's been signed for survival of the fittest also and uh we had talked about as a special attraction match that definitely is in the works is possibly hammerstone versus danny limelight you know neither one of them are really involved in 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 a feud at this time with anybody so it's like, well, how about just a really good fucking wrestling match between two really good guys who've never wrestled each other? So, you know, that's where that one goes. And the idea of if Nick Xander and Jay Vidal work out, I know there's some uh, impact tapings, I believe. Uh, yeah, the eighth and the ninth. So obviously we got to work that out. Uh, I know Chris Bay and, and East Austin have, but they're coming from New York. So we just want to make sure there are no issues in that. Having a Kenny King. Now that we have four guys 
on impact and they're all ten tentatively scheduled to be there on the 10th but we got to make sure there aren't any issues that's going to get them out here so right. you got to fight against that also you know generally they've been good impact uh, of getting them here in time for stuff but like i know last time chris bay's flight got delayed and then it got delayed again and he was supposed to get here two hours before ace austin and Ace Austin was coming in at like two, three o'clock. So Chris ended up meeting, uh, missing the meet and greet, and he didn't get there till about thirty minutes before showtime. So, you know, with a lot of cancellations in the uh, airline industry, you know, it's kind of potluck. Fortunately, I don't got anybody coming in on Spirit, so we should be okay. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Uh, I've never asked you that. Spirit, is that the worst uh, of the airlines in terms of uh, guys? Yeah, I think Frontier is probably worse. But yeah. the thing is, it's you're paying for what you get. And obviously, Chris Bay and Ace Austin, they can't get on with a, a backpack. You know, the problem with the Spirits and the Frontiers and the Allegiant is if you can fit everything on a backpack, you can get a really cheap flight. Right. But as I learned, when Effie needed a check bag, well, a ch not a check bag, a carry-on, it's $100. So yeah. it, it basically would have been cheaper to go on, like, American or Delta. Yeah. So most people need a carry bag. You know, most people don't do check bags in the wrestling business. They got their one thing, but they got to fit stuff in there. They want to sell merch. So... Yeah. But it's really good for wrestlers who aren't on a national basis. So when the Richard Kings and the Jared Diaz and the Robert Martyrs and these guys are making waves, they're able to get either a sponsor or somebody that'll fly them out. Or if we know they're talented and they can make a thing of it and they come to L.A. and they go to Vegas and they make a weekend of it where Jared Diaz was in Colorado. So he got a partial flight taken care of, came to Vegas, we moved the date, he got two shows in Vegas. So he just brings a, a, a backpack and now he, he's got a cheap flight. So even if he had to pay for it himself, he didn't really lose his ass on a $400 flight. You know, right. now he might've paid $179, but he got three bookings. He got to be in different places. He got to have a new fan base. Maybe he sold eight shirts at 25 bucks a piece. And, you know, because the key in this business is getting out there and getting your name there. Right. And no matter how good of a promotion you might be working on the East Coast, if you can get to work in Florida and California and Vegas and wherever else it is, it's only more exposure for yourself. And you never know who you're going to run into. You never know who's going to like what you see. You never know, hey, Adilo Brown's working on commentary at Rocky Mountain Pro in Colorado or at FSW. And, hey, maybe, you know, TJP decided to show up at the show because him and Akira were in, were in town. And Akira did a seminar for us. And they were running late, but they were in town. So they were going to go see their boys because Kenny – and the Bullet Club were were there. 
And I was like, yeah, we could have had you do a face-off or something, you know, a New Japan setup. And they're like, yeah, we meant to come. And then all of a sudden, because TJ's friends with Jacob Austin Young and found out, because shockingly, we had a nine-match card that ended in less than two and a half hours. Right. And that was a solid, solid show at Moment of Truth. Yeah. So, you know, you never know who's in Vegas and who's going to just pop into a show. Right. Or in California, hey, maybe a John Morrison just happens to be in the area. And, and you never know what anything can lead to. So these guys are trying to get out there and they understand. As much as I like a Jared Diaz, I'm not buying a $400 flight for the guy. Right. You know, I, I could pay him, you know, a, a decent rate that he would do locally. But that's the reason a lot of these guys can't do that because they're not going to go into their pockets to go work a show for a company they like, you know, right. and I get, and as I say, I get emails all the time. I got guys, I'm like, Hey, you know, really appreciate the interest, but we have a school. So we're trying to use our guys. We have our main roster to begin with. And you know, you're the fact that you got trained by, you know, the Dudleys or, monster factory or wherever it is known schools and some of these guys i know who they are but it's like just so you know we're not covering your travel right you know your value you may be extremely good but we got extremely good guys here and paying a four or five hundred dollar flight and a hotel room you know just isn't feasible so they make deals they work with people whatever it is or they get on Spirit or Frontier. And the only the other good thing about those airlines is there's a lot of direct flights. Right. Like yeah. when I fly Ace Austin, he, he goes back to Dayton, Ohio. Dayton, Ohio is a fucking uh, shit airport to where, you know, you I had to give him two connections the last time. <laughs> wow. You know, because there's so few flights that you'll never get a, uh, a, you know, you'll never get a direct flight from Dayton to Vegas. It's right. going through Arizona. It's going through Charlotte. It's going through Chicago, you know, whatever it is in that situation, you know, same thing impact in September, they're going to be in my old stomping grounds, the Westchester County center. And that's in white plains. Well, when I would go back home, a lot of times I would go through white plains airport, which is a pretty big airport. But it's similar to Dayton. It, it's all connections. There's never a direct flights there, especially out here. So the problem becomes the cost is way more. And it might only be 15 minutes from the venue, but LaGuardia is only 30 or 40 minutes. So why would I pay an extra $100? The guy can drive 20 minutes, you yeah. know, extra. It, it, you know, it isn't like it's a four-hour ride instead of a 10-minute but it's just trying to get that because some of these smaller airports, man, it's tough getting that connect. Yeah. Um, you mentioned it. Uh, how did the seminar go uh, this past Monday with Akira and TJP? Uh, it, it's crazy. People actually showed up. We <laughs> literally had 25 students. Wow. We had 24 paying students and we had one of our trainers, Cody, sit in because Cody understood that he was going to learn something. Right. And it was funny. I ended up leaving and it was like it started at six. And TJ's like, well, you know, Kira's like, how long do you usually go? I'm like, well, 
you know, you go as long as you want. I'm like, you know, we don't expect anybody to go to less than two hours. And TJ's like, well, yeah, you know, I go a little longer a lot of times. And so I'm figuring I'm at home. I might have to lock up. So I got my phone handy. And it was like 9 o'clock. And I'm like, maybe I missed it. Eh, nothing. 9.25. I'm like, oh, okay, they must have locked up. Then all of a sudden I got a message at 10.13. And it was TJ like, hey, we just finished up. Uh, we locked up for you. Blah, 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 blah. You know, if you can send payment, it's like, yeah, absolutely. So they were there literally four hours. Wow. And 25 people showed up. We have a lot of younger guys. And it's like, it's very important to take advantage of it. It's also important because TJ was there too. So they, you know, I was not even disappointed. I was fucking livid when we did a Juventud Guerrera seminar. And Nick Xander and Cody... And three other people showed up and like not one person on the main roster. And not that I not that I'm gonna give a, a shogun or a hero a pass in any way, but okay, Hoobie's a cruiserweight. You wanna say the 250 pound super heavyweight maybe feels not saying that it's right, because I don't believe it's right that he can't learn from a guy a 30 year veteran, but you right. guy a guy like Hoobie who speaks broken English who's been a cruiserweight legend for 30 years. He's 160 pounds. We have a lot of no limits, X division, guys that are under 200 pounds in the indies, and we can't get any of them to show up. And I believe we charge like $30. Yeah. You know, I'm seeing Tito's running one in San Diego for Rocky Romero, and it's 100 bucks. No yeah. offense, but I see Manny Lemons doing seminars and yeah man he's gotten to be on wwe and AEW and impact but he's not a name wrestler in any way and he's taking pictures with guys at the seminar and there's 15 people there yeah. and juventud guerrera back in the day when they were in wcw nobody was like oh ray mysterio is way better than this guy those guys were neck and neck i was a bigger hoovie fan myself yeah. So being a Hoobie fan and seeing nobody there or nobody there for Davey Richards was like, what the fuck? Like, you guys think you can't learn shit? Like, you guys think you know everything? And at least the younger students, a good majority are there. And there was a lot of people that weren't. But we did 24 people that were students or wrestlers. But Sky High was there. The Suavecitos were there. So it was like... You got to take these opportunities. And, you know, maybe the Suavecitos have turned the corner. They've gotten to work the Bullet Club. They've gone to California and they got to be in a ring with Kushida. Yeah. And, and, you know, hard work pays off. Nobody ever doubted their abilities. It just sometimes became their work ethic. You may right. be really good. And if you have a shitty work ethic, I'm not really going to pay as much attention to you as somebody who works their asses off to try to be better. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of guys have natural talent and a lot of guys coast on that natural talent. But Hammerstone didn't coast on his natural talent and Cross and Bay and Sefa and, and Lacey. They tried to get to the next level. And I'm sorry, I understand. Hey, if you don't think that you're good enough to get to that next level, 
you'll never be good enough to get to that next level, number right. one. And if you're happy being where you are, that's great. Like, I've heard Kenny say it, and some people get offended. Like, if your job is just to be a weekend warrior and you just want to play, we might not be the place for you. I, I disagree because we also know how difficult it is to get to WWE or AEW or any or Impact. You know, we knew Chris Bay, how good he was, and he finally got on. We have a lot of guys, especially guys that have been around with us for a long time, the, the Sharps and the Jakes and the Remy's and the Cody's, who a lot of them never got that break. Right. You know, they got a taste, you know, Remy and Jack with the Global Force Wrestling and, you know, Matt and Damian Drake and AAA, and they're young. Little different, you know, story, but look how long it took a Gregory Sharp and Jacob Austin Young to to get on a New Japan wrestling show. We knew how good they were. So, number one, you got to be really good. Number two, you got to have a great attitude because when you first get put on a New Japan show, you're probably getting your ass fucking beat for a lot of times, and you may never win a match there. Yep. But you're hoping, like a Tito Escondido, that he comes in, he puts people over, he's got a good attitude, he's got a good look, Bronson Reed resigns, this guy has you know, cancel issues, he's a big dude, Lance Hoyt goes to AEW, and now all of a sudden, they need an American in New Japan, and now they're looking for some new young blood. And... To them, Tito's new young blood, but Tito's been doing it for 10, 12 years. Right. Sharp's yeah. been doing it from 2010 or 11. Same thing with Jacob Boston Young. But now they're in their these all these guys are in their early to mid-30s. And what they thought they knew at 26, they realized they didn't know dick. They didn't know shit. Now that they're 32, 33. Now they've kind of, you know, Sharp and, and Jake. Sharp's a guy who's gone all over the world. You know, Jake went to China. You know, these guys have made the best of whatever situations they've had. And they're good dudes. And if you work hard and you're a good dude and you put in the time and effort, you hope that you get everything you want. But this business is tough. There's only so many spots. And how much you might rag on an AEW or whatever, there's a shit ton of people who are now making a living that never would have made a living. Yeah. You know, you went to WWE developmental, you barely made a living. Now, even if you go to NXT, you're making a good living. You go to Impact, you know, you might only get an X amount of dates, but now it, it drives your rate up elsewhere. And now there's more than one company, WWE, where you can go out and you could be a professional wrestler and not have a job other than wrestling. And I see it with a lot of our guys that they're hustling. They're going out there two, three days a week and they're, they're, they're pumping merch. And we have a lot of guys that have never made it to the big time, but they don't have a regular job anymore. Wrestling is their job. And they try to get booked as often as humanly possible and sell some shirts and work deals and get their travel 
or bring some young kids to help cover for gas. You know, it, it's really a crazy process. And, you know, it, it's easy to give up when you're you're not getting there. You're going to tell me that it wasn't it isn't one might have wouldn't been easier for Jacob Austin Young or Gregory Sharp after 10, 12 years pounding on doors, not getting those opportunities to say, you know what, what am I doing here? But they persevered. Look at fucking Sean Ricker, L.A. Knight. He's 40 years old. He's finally getting his comeuppance. You know, sure, six, seven years ago, he was a big deal in Impact, but Impact was way smaller than it is at this point today. Right. You know, like Moose can re-sign with Impact and make a good living out of it and turn down the opportunity to be a who knows what. Again, when Moose signed, I was never a Moose fan in Impact. Right. I'll tell you, I'm not, I'm sorry, in Ring of Honor. Ring of I was Honor. Like, went to Impact, and he really found himself when he was involved with Aries and, and Cross, got the personality, came out in the suits, and then I met the dude, super fucking nice guy. You know, he would come to the tryout. He was trying to get Hammerstone signed. Like, he wasn't like, oh, I don't want to get this guy signed. He'll take my spot. You know, there's good people in this business. And I'm pretty sure Moose would have done very, very well if he went to WWE. But he was loyal to the company that put him on its back because he carried that company for, for, for a few years. Yeah. And, you know, I, I I figured he was leaving. You know, we were talking about getting him back for a show. And he's like, well, my contract's up. You know, I don't know where I'll be. And he was pretty sincere. If he knew he was going back to Impact, it wouldn't have been an issue. Because he would have been like, well, yeah, you know, uh, I was talking to him about the anniversary. And that was right when one his contract. And I was very surprised. And, you know, I heard they signed him for like seven years, they're saying. The longest contract, the biggest contract. And, you know, that's great when they brought in an RVD and they paid him. And they're bringing in Jeff Hardy back in the day and they paid him. But the guys who've been in that grind. To where now, if WWE didn't want you and there was no AEW, Moose didn't have an option. Right. And you want to believe that Impact would have said, here you go, here's the, tr- here's our truck for you. But if they didn't have those options, would that truck still be there? I say yes, but it would probably have been a smaller truck. Right. So there's so many people now that can relax, get in better shape. And I'll be honest with you, maybe that's the reason why 40 and 45-year-olds are still on the top of the card. Back in the day, it it was like baseball and football, you know, mid-30s, that downward spiral. By the time you're 40, you you know, you're one in a million. You know, Tom Brady at 40, holy shit. And then it was like Tom Tom Brady at 46. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's crazy how a wrestler can literally make 10 or 20 times what he was making four months ago because of exploding on the scene. Yeah. You know, or guys that will come in on their own dime and I have to tell them, like, hey. This is a 
school show. This is what we can do. Anthony Green and Richard Holiday, like these guys are good, and they came in, and they were going to come to Vegas. They had a friend out here, and then Anthony Green knew everybody from when he was running uh, at at Parrot, whatever it was called, uh, PPW, whatever they called it in in Vegas when they were running a Sam's Town. So he was friends with Cody and Remy and and all those guys that worked together. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And after we had Anthony Green, he's exploded and he's in Noah all the time. But right. I was like, hey, this is what I can offer you. You know, I can use 50 other guys. I'd love to use you. But, you know, in respect to a Hammerstone and a Chris Bay, I'm not going to bring you in and pay you more. And they're like, no, nah, we're cool. You know, we'll work, we're, we're here to work shows. And whether they got, and I guarantee you, they got more out of a Sammy Callahan's for Revolver and, and a GCW because that was their big show. So people have to be willing and they understand. Pick and choose who you want to work with. And there's also going to be the shows that eh, they may not be the greatest companies or shows to work with, but they're paying top dollar to have me. And, you know, I used to have a different mindset when I first started. Like, I remember, and I I kind of feel bad about it. I remember guys would come in, and it's like they weren't booked on the show, and they were friends with somebody or whatever. And it would be like I didn't understand. Like, they're on your show. You have to give them something. It ain't a lot. But it'd be like, hey, thanks a lot, you know, because I didn't really need you, so why am I paying you? You know, you came to town and supposedly you want to be on the show. So I put you on the show. And now you understand it's like, well, people got to eat. Yeah. And the budgets for the shows at the school even now are way higher than they were even three or four years ago. Yeah. Because there's so many companies and there's so many people, as I like to say, there's a lot of these companies, they're going to pay four or five people. So they're going to pay you your rate. Well, I'm probably not going to pay you your rate, but I'm going to pay you a lot closer than I would in the past. Right. Sure. You know, because you want to get people. You want people to want to be here. And that's why we're fortunate that uh, somebody like a 18-year-old Brittany Brooks, who's wrestling in Dreamwave and she's getting flown to places, if she's booked somewhere else on our show, the first person she does is hit me up. Hey, Joe, the 12th is uh, is opened up. You know, I'd like to work. And, and she knows what she's getting paid. And it's like, hey, this is this is the deal that I tell them from day one. And there's always some that are like, hey, thanks for the opportunity, but I'm going to pass. Right. I don't hold that against anybody that if they feel that they need to go make that extra 50 bucks or extra 75 bucks somewhere else and FSW is not a priority, that's cool. But... When you're not a priority, other people become that. So now when you're willing to now do it, we'll see. Because I had you in a position. There's guys we had in position, they weren't happy that they felt they should get paid more for a school show. And it was like, well, this is what I can do. And that's cool. But I'm not going to wait where some of these guys are like, hey, yeah, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll work the casino show because, you know, the rates for that. And I'm like, well, what you need to understand is the school shows build toward the casino shows. So I'm not going to just randomly throw you on a casino show 
when you haven't worked any of my school shows. <laughs> because the school shows are, are the setups. They aren't the money makers. They're there to try to get things done. We we did had a really good crowd at Moment of Truth. But if anybody thought we made money on that show, you're out of your mind. You know, we had people that we had to bring in. You know, we had Kenny King wrestle on the show. We had Ace Austin wrestle on the show and have to be flown in. We had Chris Bay wrestle on the show. So we're not going to charge 50 bucks at a school show because we have the big names. We still try to keep it fair. So you have to lose something. So what do you lose? You lose some income. But you're building, hopefully, towards survival of the fittest, where hopefully you can get some sponsors and hopefully you can get a lot of people paying money. And at the end of the day, you do well. But my first priority has always been to have the best show. And secondly, was to make money. Yeah. Um, and, you know, kind of uh, as we kind of get ready to wrap up here, uh, one of the things this week uh, that uh, Viva Van has uh, posted was uh, she's been at the uh, New Japan Dojo in California. Uh, Vandergriff had recently been there uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, yeah, Primo Henio. There's a lot, a lot of people. Yep. Um, so, you know, with that kind of thing, you know, I, I guess when you look at uh, when I think about acting per se, per se, when you have a resume, you put those types of things, those specific trainings that are um, different than regular training to highlight that how much more does that highlight this wrestler when they're getting the opportunity to be invited to something like that and you as a promoter then in turn see that hey they're taking those steps they're um trying to progress themselves by taking this opportunity because you know it's you know it's basically you know taking money out of their pocket so they can better themselves to potentially, you know, make more money in their career down the line. Um, is it something that, you know, is newer in the last few years, obviously? Um, is it something that stands out to you as a great opportunity for these wrestlers to just make themselves that much better and have that much more of a, of a different experience, a different variety, a different arsenal a different type of training that they can draw on when you know they might need it in different situations across the country or across the world if they're wrestling well i look at it this way okay so guys like vandergriff viva van sharp jake che cabrera primo henio all these guys are, are, are good, okay? And I can name, you know, Addis Santino's, you know, the Lucas Riley's and the, this, and the Eli Everflies. And you got Tito. And, you know, we talked about Che. And you look at FSW and you got, you know, the Vandegrifts and the, and the Damian Drakes and the Jay Vidal's who's still extremely young. And the key is, how do you stand out? You look at our show, 
and you say, hey, wow, that Jay Vidal guy is really good. Is this is his persona? This is how he is. You got Matt. You got Damian Drake. You got Sharp. You got you got Jake Boston Young. You got, you got Sky High. You got the Suavecitos. You have Brett the Threat. You got Nick Xander. What is it going to do for you to get on that New Japan show, for example? Okay. Right. So Rocky Romero has risen up the ranks from a guy that was, you know, an indie darling, Cali legend, to yep. basically being a major force in bringing in now the talent for New Japan. Well, years ago, we had Rocky wrestle Jacob Boston Young eight years ago, whatever it was. He knows Jake. He knows Gregory Sharp. We did a Jushin Liger seminar. And Rocky was the handler. That was the show we did at the cannery. So I'm going to say that was 2017, 18. I don't even know anymore. Okay. First time we had Joey Janela on the show. And we did the seminar with Liger. And we had probably... 40 something people pay 75 bucks a head to have a seminar with Jushin Liger. And the sell on the seminar was we had to pay Liger X amount of dollars. The idea to get some of our money back was the meet and greets. And we would get a portion of, of the seminar back. But the sell was, Hey, we have a spot in the opening match and uh, Liger is going to pick who he wants, the best guy who he saw in the camp. And it turned out Carl Fredericks was the guy that he had picked. Well, Carl was already booked on our show. We, we had a lot of high hopes for Carl. We were big fans of Carl. And then, by knowing that, Liger is very known to be the guy who likes the characters, the gimmicks. Like He was, he was the first guy to really get behind Cheeseburger. And the yeah. carrot. So out of everybody he saw, he saw something in Spider. And and Spider got put in the match. And the funny thing was the first dojo a few months later, Carl Fredericks was one of the guys who got to be in the dojo. I think uh, Clark Connors, who's still, he's now a Bullet Club member. He, he's put in his time and effort. And he was in there. Okay, well, let's fast forward to now. So now New Japan's doing the dojo in the United States, and they're running seminars, three-day camps, I guess you could say, not a seminar. And they're paying X amount of dollars. And there's tons of guys that we know. You look at the pictures, because when I know when Sharp and Jake were there, there was 10 other guys that we use that are there. And they're running continuous camps, and I believe Shibata was involved with it at the time or whatever. And now you move forward, now they're having 12-week classes where they're paying a lot of money. So it's the same situation of the Jared Diaz and Robert Martyrs who are flying themselves to a company that they feel is going to generate them something right. in a different way. So Matt and Viva work for AAA. So the problem with that is CMLL and New Japan have 
a working agreement. Right. So Viva is not really going to be looked at because she's with AAA. But if she goes to the dojo and she knows Rocky very well, that kind of be her in because she's not contracted to anybody. She just wrestled there. And right. she doesn't want to lose out in an opportunity. But now New Japan is coming to Vegas October 28th. So they they disbanded New Japan Strong where Sharp and Jake just got started to be used and Jake Cabrera started to be used. But they would use Tom Lawler and Tito and Bay and TJ and, and all the guys that we've used on numerous occasions. So now this is going to be the opportunity. And again, it's when you help, who are we going to pick? It, it, it's the same when it works for me. When Watson and that crew from Arizona are going to come in, when I do have a spot, I'm going to give it to them over the person who just emails me that wants to be on the show. So now Rocky's going to go to people from California and Vegas that he trusts, but don't think that it's going to be lost that these guys paid a few thousand dollars because they also know their system. They know what they're looking for. They know what they want. So there's going to be guys that they're going to build a trust on. They did a show at the dojo uh, after they did it. And a guy like called him recall who's worked our natural born killers and even Oasis who wasn't a part of it, but was known by them got to be on the show and Matt got to be on the show and all these other people got to be on that show. So now when you look at the resume, all you're looking for is to see what people, because again, a million people get to be on AEW dark. That doesn't mean they're great, but it means they're hustling and they're working hard and they're trying to do what it takes to get noticed. Right. And, 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 and you know, you, you can't, you can't buy that. You know, it's kind of like when they say, you know, you, you know, the it factor, you, you can't just create it. You have to have it. So if you're a guy who is really talented, like our no limits division, well, I can name 15 guys. Well, you don't have 15 spots. So why am I going to pick Lucas Riley over Primo Henio? Well, when one of them is constantly like, hey, Joe, love to work for you. Hey, Joe, love to work for you. And the other guy you kind of hear of and you know he's talented, but he's really made no inklings toward it. You want somebody who wants to be there. Like this guy – even though I've turned him down, you know, he's still making the effort. He's still wanting to be on there. He's still getting, you know, a Chris Bay or a Jake Boston Young or whoever it is, you know, put him over. You know, I'll get messages from a lot of our guys and be like, hey, the, you know, Jake, for example. He was very big early on Thugnificent and didn't really have anything. Then they formed a tag team, and I needed a tag team, and I hit them up, and we've been extremely happy with Doug Nificent. Yeah. We've been – and EJ Sparks, who I had known in the past for years and never really used him. Didn't really have a spot for him. When we did stuff in Arizona, I used EJ Sparks for the show there. And when Dom's guys and Hammerstone put over a class, I listened. And then they put over the Blair Brody and the Devin Renos 
And I wasn't really high on Koa initially, but he came in, he worked hard. It's like, you know what? Let's give this motherfucker a spot. Let's give him a shot. And he did what we needed to do. He had a great attitude. All he wanted to do was have an opportunity. And, you know, Flyboy Freddy comes in, people put him over, just not a lot of spots. And then it was like, hey, we got a future shock, bro. You know what? You come down, I'm going to book you. Because, you know, I if I tried as hard as him and didn't get that opportunity, I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty disappointed. Like, hey, you know what? I'm pretty decent. Like, they use other guys. Why, why can't they use me? And I value work ethic because I've always said when other people came in to run shows or they were going to do like, I'm confident in my ability because what I say is nobody's going to outwork me. I am going to spend as much time as needed. I'm going to go out and put a flyer on the pole and I'm going to go out and hand them out. And if nobody shows up, I don't give a fuck. I'll stand outside AEW uh, when they're running at Mandalay Bay and, you know, a student showed up and you see a student and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going into the show and helping. That's not what I want. I'm not going to force him to help me. I'm going to do it my fucking self because I'm going to go up to that person. Hey, how you doing? I'm Joe. I run FSW. Blah, 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 blah. We got this guy, that guy, the other guy. Well, a lot of the other people that's going to be like, don't say a word, don't do nothing. I, I wait for lines to form. That's how, you know, we got fans and sponsors, Stone Trade. They were standing in line for WWF, WWE show. <laughs> and I said, hey, I'm Joe. I'm running a new company. Blah, 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 blah. And I handed them a flyer. I didn't know they worked at Stone Trade. I had to get some fucking marble one day. I was looking for tile and shit. And I walked in, and they were like, oh, yeah, we got a flyer from from you or somebody at the time. And, oh, yeah, and blah, 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 blah. And then we were doing the TV, and we filmed the commercial. And they were my, you know, they were my first sponsors. And David, uh, the guy who runs it, you know, he was at our last show, you know. And they've come to numerous shows, even though they're not sponsors anymore. And it's you got to work your ass off. Nobody's going to hand things to you. And sometimes, and you see it on the internet, and you see it on Facebook, oh, you're an idiot, you know, you're a moron to pay for something. You know, oh, you worked for free, or you worked for almost nothing, you know. And I used to I used to giggle to myself and be like Dave Marquez with the exposure bucks. It's like, yeah, that was, that was the nice way of saying you're not getting paid. You know what I mean? And I used to laugh about it. And I'm like, you know, that was always my go-to line. I might not pay well, but I pay you better than Marquez does. You know what I mean? And it's like, but as I learned more, I understood more. And I understand that this guy is giving opportunities. He's giving them, we run a TV class. Why do we run a TV class? Because we want to have people ready when they do get an opportunity to at least kind of know what they're doing. Well, this guy runs it every month. So just like there's guys I expect or guys that want to come in that are going to work for little to, or to no money, yeah, they're getting some value over there instead of making three times as much 
to go wrestle in some rec center in California in front of 65 people that probably isn't being filmed unless their friend has a, a camcorder or a video camera or a phone and they film their match for it. Right. You know, all our shit is being streamed. You know, people used to complain about the get, getting their footage and stuff like that. And now it's like, here you go. You know what? That has value. We're filming your shit. We're paying yeah. people to film your shit. And you're getting access to it. So, hey, have the decency of not putting the whole fucking match on your YouTube channel. Right. How about not putting the finish of a show that we're trying to get people to watch on Fight Plus so we can make a few dollars? Right. Yeah. And yeah. for it to work, it has to work both ways. Right. And there has to be an understanding. You know, you see one side, you know, there's a guy, he runs war, I think, out of Chicago. And there's a few other guys. And they give their thoughts and things as the promoters and things like that. And then you got the other side of the wrestlers who want to do nothing but trash the promoters. And it's like, well, that's great. But don't compare everyone because we're not all the fucking same, just like all the wrestlers aren't the same. Right. Yeah. You know, or, you know, I saw somebody post and I forgot who the person was and I'm seeing on Facebook and some people are sharing it and some people are lambasting her and some people are like, oh, she's 100% right. And it's like, you know, you need to make sure you take care of your wrestler and who he's going to work and make sure it's somebody who's going to help him and make sure you know they get their footage and make sure they get this and they get they 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 and it's like and what are we getting in return we got to pay them this and we got to pay them that so if i had to pay people what their rate was i wouldn't use a lot of people because right. i couldn't afford to do that with the people we have and the people who work willing to work this rate your rate will go up in fsw yeah. You will get more money when you work at a casino. You will get more money when you become a valuable cog. You know, the biggest issues are like, hey, you know what? We got a student. He's getting close. We're going to throw him in a pre-show match. And then when they, then all of a sudden when dues are, con well, you know, I worked it off. And it's like, dude, you weren't even ready and I put you on a show. So if you can't see that how it is that's cool i'll use you when i need you then right and then they would get mad because i didn't use them because i was doing you a favor you didn't do me a favor you didn't sell a fucking ticket nobody knows who you are i have six options to use people on a pre-show match that's when joe was doing hey we got an eight-man tag oh the joe scramble with all the young kids right because they weren't ready to be on my main show. So I'm giving you an opportunity. So you work 10 or 20 matches because guess what? Nobody booked you yet in Arizona. Nobody's booking you in California. Nobody knows who the fuck you are. Right. You know how you're getting booked? Because you're showing them footage from my fucking show. Because I put you on the show. Be grateful, motherfucker. I didn't have to put you on the show. So when... Chase Bell's not available on Saturday because he's out of town. And I was going to do a tag match with him and somebody else. Well, hey, RBJ and Fox Valentine, who sold 50 tickets each over the last few shows. 
and performed well enough. How about you guys have a match? Because I gave them a pre-show match. And it wasn't Joe being greedy. Joe told them an hour and a half before the show. So it wasn't like, hey, guys, in two weeks, we're going to have a show. You better sell some fucking tickets. No, I rewarded them for what they did on those two shows. And I put them in a match where there was no shot for them to go out and sell multiple tickets. They were already, it was already call time. And it was like on their way, the show was at whatever, seven o'clock. And at two thirty, three o'clock, I'm like, hey, make sure you guys have your gear. I'm gonna put you in the pre-show match. I knew what I was doing two days earlier, but I proceeded to tell them because I wanted to make sure they were around Thursday and they were around to help set up for the show and not taking it for granted. Because those are the biggest issues with the younger guys. To where all of a sudden, you know, they're, they wrestle on the show. And then when it's time to put 15 chairs in the back and clean up, that takes 30 minutes, they're not even around. Like, dude, right. you would probably have to pick up two fucking water bottles, but you left before the show's over because you're a superstar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of shows, again, uh, the Saturday the 12th, High Octane. Um and you can uh, catch it on Fight Plus and uh, come down to the FSW Arena at uh, 7 p.m. still? Uh, yes, yeah, 7 p.m. the 26th. Uh, we are being preempted by my Godsmack and Stain concert. So since that starts at 7 o'clock, Future Shock will be a special 4 p.m. start time on August 26th. Look at that. So, but uh, because of that combination of stuff, even though it's a future shock, uh, guys like Big Fonz will be on the show, and uh, there'll definitely be some uh, major talent on that show also. Nice. Well, Brittany uh, Brooks will be there once again. That's definitely something to uh, check out. And, uh, you know, it's uh, – it's exciting to know what's going on and uh, to see that, you know, people are getting the opportunities, but making the most of it, too. And uh, the, the winners here are the fans uh, who get to see, you know, them grow and uh, get to see some really good uh, matches because, you know, there's rarely times that you can point to and go, yeah, that one was not a good match. Um you know the shows are solid shows and um it just goes to prove it you know uh from week to week to week the, you know the people are putting in the time and the effort and uh they're getting some good results and uh this should be a good show uh on saturday and um that future shock sounds uh sounds like it's the perfect uh time to take the kids at 4 p.m uh you know now that's cool yeah and it should be a little cooler hopefully you know right well knock on wood <laughs> all right everyone thanks for tuning in this week and until next time